Hello and welcome to episode 231 of the Bad Wolf Podcast. I'm Martin and joining me this week I have Chris Hello. and Sam. Greetings. Gentlemen, how are you doing? How's COVID treating you? It's breached its sort of living state, I suppose. Things are sort of, we're getting used to the new normal. It just seems a bit more comfortable these days. Been to the pub a few times, been out and about. I've eaten out to help out. Oh, it's all right. And I'm also back to work as well in the office. It's weird, but, you know, it's somewhat nice. Is it nice to have a bit of normalcy back in your life? I'm a bit tired having to get up earlier to drive somewhere, um, I must admit. <laughs> That's the one thing I, I said, are we going to be working, you know, can we but you know approach each other? I said you, you can approach with a bit of distance. Or well, that's a bit of an oxymoron, really, isn't it? Are we working remotely or not? Uh, yes, you'll be working remotely in your desk, uh, <laughs> at your desk. I said, okay, so I've got to drive somewhere to work away from people. Okay, right. Uh, I, this this works out really well. Okay, great common sense, guys. No, but actually, it's, it's been nice. The only thing I would say about returning to work is you just realise how fucking boring your job is <laughs> yeah. there's no distractions you can't like sort of do something else at the same time you can't have the telly on you can't just turn to your mac and edit an audio together or whatever you have to just <laughs> get through a really boring day i think that's the thing that's uh we're climatizing to is just find it realizing oh yeah this job is pretty boring (laughs) it needs to return to normal how about you sam i'm actually at the stage where i'd quite like to go back into the office only because i'm we're kind of in the middle of buying a house at the moment and if we do get said house then it's not even began to be built yet i've got a long way living with the in-laws at the moment which hasn't been great for lockdown we we moved in there literally two weeks before lockdown came in uh, so that's been a bit oh. of a nightmare but they're right they're nice they're lovely people but there is something about being stuck with anyone in a semi-detached house in the rough end of swindon 24 <laughs> 7 that drives yeah, back but it is nice to, to so i'm look, quite looking forward to going back to the office just to get sort of get out there and i don't even have a desk at home so i've i've been working on the bed some days and on the sofa the other days because it's quite a small house uh-huh. we don't have room for the desk and chairs etc etc but it's been nice to be able to get out and about now like like chris i've been uh, uh, eating out to help out and uh been to the pub a few times and even had time to run a comedy show well, yeah. which may <laughs> which i'm really glad hasn't been held responsible for swindon being on the government watch list <laughs> because we, we held it and literally it went like the second show was the day after the news went in but you know we we, we sold out each one the the people of Swindon, we will not be scared. These shows are put on. I mean, we've had about 120 people attend both, which is mad because I genuinely thought when this all happened, I thought, well, I'm not going to return to stand up. I don't reckon for another year. I didn't want to be trying to fight for the very limited live performances that were going to be available. Even when, even though we started to go back inside, I thought, you know, that the opportunity is going to be so few and far between. I'm not going to really bother. I'll wait till next year and then get back into it. And then from nowhere, this opportunity came up to work with a fantastic company who ran outside that uh, run outside um, mm. events during the summer. They've lost all their bookings, so they decided to set something up in the old town gardens in Swindon, and they were looking for local talent to help them with things. And I said, well, look, I used to run a comedy night. Do you fancy doing something like that? And they said, that's funny you should say that, because we've had a mobile curry company come to us and say, do you fancy doing a curry night? How about we combine them together? We do a comedy and 
uh, curry night and it was fantastic and it was very safe it was all uh, you know you book within your household and booked to sit together as you know in your bubbles uh, it was all table service everything was brilliantly run you know we had very strict rules in place so there was no chance of anybody picking up anything the track and trace system was fantastic as well both shows went well so it's been very it was very strange going for a long long time only seeing my wife and my two uh, my two in-laws father-in-law mother-in-law and then suddenly out of nowhere i was on stage in front of 120 people it was very weird very weird oh i'm glad it went well thank you yeah it was great fun and unfortunately they've come to an end now uh the, the shows obviously as, as the seasons have changed uh we haven't got uh the license to run into september but to be honest the weather's getting so rubbish now anyway so it's not too bad but yeah, somehow I've, I found myself back in comedy quicker than I thought, and I've got gigs booked for this month and the next. So, excellent, God, I thought excellent. I was out of it, and I got pulled back in. Did you see there's some driving comedy gigs? Mm. Yeah. yeah, one of my friends runs one. I was offered one, actually, on, I think it was the 10th of August, and I, I genuinely wasn't available for it, but... I don't, I mean, I, I asked someone who went there, I had someone called Abby Clark, who you might know, she became very TikTok famous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as the kids do these days. And uh, she, she's a fantastic stand-up comedian as well, really, really good. I don't understand why, because I said to her from the start, I said, if, I, if I'd gone viral and got 200,000 followers on Instagram, you would not see me on another stage again. No way would I be putting <laughs> up with drunks heckling me in a pub. I would stick in my room and do it there. But no, she's fantastic. She's really dedicated to the art. She loves stand-up. She did one of these, she's done a few of these driving gigs. She says it, it's really strange because the reaction to laugh, some of them these days, now it's become a little bit more uh, relax and everything. Some people have come out their cars and actually sat on their bonnets and watched and things like that, and that seems fine. But before then, to to communicate a laughter, people honked their horns. Yeah, so, I, I was going to ask how that worked. I can't think of anything more annoying than yeah. trying to get you know <laughs> uh, your, your topper in after you hit the, the punchline, <laughs> trying to get a topper in. To <laughs> it's, it's like making no. jokes at a clown college, isn't it? I mean, just, <laughs> just <laughs> I like, I horns. <laughs> I mean, what I thought was quite funny was I uh, first thing I asked her, I said, "What what are they like? What are these driving gigs like?" And she just said, "Have you ever seen the film Cars?" <laughs> I felt like I'd got into that world to do a stand-up gig. <laughs> Very strange. I saw there was a drive-in rave in Cornwall. I think it was. I'm hoping yeah. for a drive-in mosh pit. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Shall we uh, push on to the main feature? Mm. Yeah, go on. Welcome to the Cathedral of Contemplation. A spinning cathedral outside history itself. Layers of space-time, pockets of reality, all perfectly balanced and interconnected. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, out of time. It looks like a dimension barrier failure. Normally imperceptible, but with visitors crisscrossing space and time. Oh, oh, sorry, uh, wrong chapel. I was looking for the little shop. Fast. Temporal energy discharge. Outside the door. What do they think is coming? What have you got there? Sonic's scientific uh, instrument. I really should find a way back. They don't give up. They're relentless. Unstoppable. In my experience, no one's unstoppable, only ever unreasonable. The doorway's connected to a corridor. A time corridor. Ma'am, I'd advise you to stay back. <laughs> Oh, very well informed. What did you say you were? A doctor. A travelling doctor, much like yourself. If the Daleks get in and take over the cathedral, they would have the means to appear anywhere and anywhere. Uh, instant Dalek invasions just add slaughter. Scan destinations. 
with this device, the Daleks will win this war and all wars. Get out of there! Get back, Doctor! It's breaking through! Big finish. We love stories. Nicely done, Doctor. Why, thank you, Doctor. Allons-y! So I ask you both on tonight to talk about Out of Time from Big Finish. Sam, I'll come to you first. Okay. What did you make of this? Because you listened to it today, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, um, well, I, I'm not... I, I really like Big Finish and what they do. I think they come up with some really good ideas. But it's almost one of those things that I feel a little bit like uh, a new, uh, you know, a pure new series fan who struggles to go to the classic series. You know when you tell someone who's just a fan of the new series, oh, you should go and watch the classics, and they're kind of like, God, well, where do I start? That's almost how I feel with Big Finish, because I'm not overly yeah. familiar with their work. I've only ever heard good things, however. I've listened to a few of the key good ones, so like Spare Parts and Jubilee, and the ones that have always been recommended to me as, you know, you've got to yeah, listen yeah. to this one and this one. Yeah. But sometimes you end up with like, oh, have you heard this series? And it's the whole brand new Sixth Doctor series with like two new companions, and it goes for like 12 episodes. And it's like, God, you know, I don't know. Well, and then I've still got to do the fifth one, and then there's a new one with Tom Baker and David Tennant and now Christopher Eccleston's coming in it's going to be be mad but I, I went into this one because I knew it was quite new and I thought right I can just go for this one it's a standalone story and kind of sits in that little part of where we met the 10th Doctor in um, the 50th anniversary special when he's you know coming yeah. up to the end before he goes and regenerates so I was like okay well I know where this is based and, and I'll give this a go and I think I was telling you guys before I thought I'd listen to it while I was at work I realised 20 minutes in that my fingers hadn't moved I hadn't done one bit of work because I was so enthralled in it and it was it was a really really good good story um I mean, how long did it run was it what an hour i think it's about 45 minutes about with 45 15 minutes, minutes of specials 45 minutes 50 minutes isn't it because like you're saying about big finish i was uh i remember like trying to keep up and then i stopped i think i think it was pretty much the eighth doctor i was at like zagreus was the point i think uh just shortly after zagreus i followed through that divergent universe and then terra firma and then i just never followed anymore until sort of in the last couple of years you know it's one of those things where you sort of it's like when you watch a soap isn't it and you just stop for a period of time and then by the time you come <laughs> back to it you go who the hell are they what i've missed a lot here you know <laughs> it's very hard to keep it but no as you say this one was really good it was uh no i really thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was it was as if david tennant it was somewhere in those specials you know because that's when it's set it, it's mm. all set around the water of mars just after yeah. War of Mars before End of Time. And it's just this really... And Ethan actually does have a nice little explanation as to why he goes to a massive party at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Uh, and then turns up and says, he goes, I've got a car. It sounds like a car. Okay, thanks, David. I felt like I was teleported back to that 2008, 2009, mm. where Same. to me is, it is the peak of this new run of Who. I think that was like the point where I think everyone was watching it and it just really threw me back in. I was like, this is incredible. Tom Baker's always a delight, but hearing those two together was just spellbinding. Yeah, that's what I love about Big Finish because you're never going to see this on TV. No. You're never going to see a classic Doctor. But I know they brought Tom Baker back as the creator, but you're never going to see a classic Doctor back on TV on the main programme interacting no. with Jodie Whittaker. You're never going to see it. And here we got to have two of arguably the most popular doctors of all time yeah 
interacting together and it was so great and it's so impressive that this only got recorded now because of lockdown it completely wiped out david tennant's schedule and he was finally free to record it brilliant it did have the pace didn't it of like that era of doctor who that kind of 45 minute show but like a very good episode i know sometimes the the new series suffered from kind of a one-off episode that was 45 minutes Mm. you had kind of the odd one where everything got wrapped up in the last couple of minutes and it all felt a bit rushed but this was one of those ones that was paced really nicely and like you were saying i mean i suppose the magic of big finish and why it's so popular is that in your head you can kind of imagine it anywhere you want i mean i'm sure if you take yeah. for example a peter davison story there are some fans who sit and imagine it like it's an app a huge Hollywood blockbuster. You know, they imagine Peter Davison and everything in this uh, amazing set and the monsters are huge and it looks great. And then I'm sure there are other people who sit there and imagine it as a kind of a 1980s episode, you know, with kind of old grey sets and wobbly looking monsters made of, mm-hmm. you know, a foam. And I found myself in this one, I, I did imagine it as that kind of era. I could see what David Tennant would look like, what suit he was wearing, yeah. and seeing what Tom Baker in all his costume, you know, the brown jacket and the hat and the scarf, what would what would he look like in a sort of 2009 episode directed by, you know, someone from that, that era. It's really enjoyable to go back and, and imagine that. It was so, it's Moorish. It had that, it had the sort of perfect length to it because... Fans would love them to do a whole box set based on it, you know, um, or do two-parter. It just felt special. It was kind of like how it felt when, you know, Sarah Jane turned up in a a school reunion episode. Oh, yeah. You know, that sort of, oh, my God. You know, it was only 45 minutes, but it was a great 45 minutes and it stuck with you. That was great. That was really lovely. Yeah, it's the same thing like that. I, I just... I just thought it was it was superb. I was a bit surprised that it was part one, though, but there was no indication yeah. it led on to anything else. They're all standalone. What Sam said earlier about not knowing where to start, that's something Big Finish have really taken on board now. From next year, they're only going to be releasing box sets. You're saying, where do I start? If you know that this is volume one of a 10th Doctor box set, then you know to start there. Right. They want to make it easier for people to just pick up Big Finish and go. That's always the thing is, where do you begin? Yeah, that's the trouble I had. Mm. Well, I did a a sort of a a couple of marathons on it. At first, I'd said, like, do you know what? I haven't heard many of Evelyn Smythe, who I still think is one of the best companions that never visually was there. glorious. Um, Yeah, she was cool. I thought, you know, I'm going to listen to them in order. Like, the first 50 are available on Spotify for free. Well, the first 50 audios, I mean. So I had a good number of that. Then, obviously, I found the the rest and sort of bought the rest and uh, I also did a marathon of the Eighth Doctor because I never actually followed it I think I followed from Storm Warning many many years ago all the way through to as I say Terra Firma but didn't carry on I've never known what happens to Charlotte Pollard never knew that and I followed it through so I think there's always that thing of and and what I have noticed on their website now is they do actually have a sort of if you click on the release it will say previously or next so it actually does now on the website actually link you to what would be what episode came after and what episode came before it 
Yeah. Then they decide to completely screw things up and confuse with your mind by then going, do you know what? We're going to do a Time War box set with the Eighth Doctor. And also, <laughs> and also, do you know what? We're going to go forget Doom Coalition. We're going to do Ravenous now. So Ravenous continues straight after Doom Coalition, but Time War is not near that bit. No, that's much later. Now Stranded is coming after um, thing. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the YouTuber's name, but there was someone who wrote, who wrote something about timelines on, on Big Finish. They did like quite a funny video about it on YouTube. And um, one thing they mentioned was the character of Nissa. They said in the normal series, like she, she stays with Doctor for a bit mm. and then uh, Tegan leaves and there could be a little bit of time there with between her and the doctor where you know they have some adventures sure uh and then they go and they say, but if you do the full big finish stories something happens like she stays with she comes back and hangs out with tegan and turlo for a bit and then she leaves and then she gets picked up again when she's old and then she's got two children and then she leaves those children and then one of the children travel with them for a bit and then she then eats something that makes her go young again and it just sounds mad. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about like expanded universes, though. When I was listening to the Eighth Doctor stuff, they sort of put a lot of layers and little hints at things which were later referenced in other Doctor stories. So oh, it, that's good. It was, and I was like, this is like a the you know what Marvel do with their sort of little mm. references, and it, it was very the deeds, the stuff they planned. There were references in like I noticed in the McGann ones that were in. I think it throws back to Apocalypse Element and other things like that. Only they know what they're doing. <laughs> it's a secret language that only they understand. You know, you have to be some some genius to work out all these different plots and how it all comes together. I can't fathom how they think of all these things yeah. who sat there and thought you know what let's do the candy man again and we're gonna do it in a different way uh <laughs> let's do all these various different things but then they go and do something like bonkers like you know what we're gonna give um lady christina her own series you can't work out what they're thinking they're gone they're completely nuts <laughs> <laughs> well chris you've worked for big finish and you've worked with tom baker so what well, was that experience like that was good it was a long time ago please please take me back although this podcast has probably seen to the end of that <laughs> no it was good fun that's the thing i always find now when i listen to tom in the audios is i get thrown back to when i was recording with him we were in the studio together we did a like if i said something he reacted to it which gave me chills every time you know, Amazing. and and I made him laugh. Uh, he made us all laugh with very obscene comments. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it was, it was a good good thing. Um, no, I was really really quite proud to be in that audio. You did something in that that was done in Out of Time, as in you voiced many different characters, and Nicholas Asprey and Claire Rushbrook in this voiced two distinctly different characters. Yeah, I voiced uh, four or five different characters i think the best feedback someone gave me uh he said i hope you don't take this the wrong way uh which is always a good way to start a compliment isn't it <laughs> it never, it never gets well that does it and no one ever turns to you and goes don't take this the wrong way but you are the perfect example of the postmodern man and you're so beautiful I'm, i can't even finish this sentence <laughs> never goes that way, does it? <laughs> no uh, he said i don't take this the wrong way but i didn't recognize you in any of it and i was like 
Okay, you know, I'll take that. I'm happy with that. That is a very good compliment. That surely is a is a very good compliment. Oh, it is. Uh, and also, some people didn't work out what voices I did. So the Zrig, who was my main character, my secondary character was this counselor, this Northern counselor bloke. Then you had uh, yeah, Sergeant Zrig. David Scholl was meant to. He, was, he played my superior in the thing. He played Zogroth. I had to leave halfway in the day. So they said, okay, Chris, can you do his other secondary character, which was a, a unit lieutenant, and uh, which I think was my, probably my favourite bit to do. Please disperse! You know, <laughs> Greyhound <laughs> calling Trap 1, Greyhound calling Trap 1. You know, and I just felt, yeah, nice. I, 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 I felt like that was just, that was perfect. I said, is this the sort of voice you want, Nick? And he goes, yes, that's great. Thank you. I think every time the Warath Warriors uh, fought or did anything, that was me, purely because I would determine to destroy my vocal cords with uh, sort of <laughs> warrior screams and anguish and sort of uh, war cries and then suddenly just dying <laughs> and, uh, every, and i just uh, yeah i gave him a lot i think a lot of wild track i think i noticed an editing error in out of time oh and i don't think anyone else has picked up on it when tom baker says to jura do you want to travel some more but he says do you want to travel some more more oh, oh. hang on i i thought that but I rewound it, and I think what he says is, do you want to travel some more, or shall I take you home? Oh, I that think would make that's sense. Because I thought that. I thought it skipped. Like, I'd accidentally clicked on something, and it had gone forward. So I played back, and he does say, I, it might be that, but on the second hearing, I thought he said, uh, do you want to travel some more, or shall I take you home? Or something like that. Well, I thought, oh, that that's honestly sense. my worst fear if I'm editing. For example, I did Sleuth recently. Uh, it's very good. I think, I think uh, Act 1 took about maybe 20 to 30 exporting and listening to just because i i was like no okay i need to listen to check this i just dread that there's going to be some error where i repeat the line twice and by this point i've exported the whole video out <laughs> and <laughs> uploaded it and then you go ah oh, fuck okay i do feel sorry for anyone editing really so this was written by matt fitton who is one of my favorite big finish writers he's a very lovely man and he's very good yeah i've met him and the great moment i had is i saw him at a con once and i walked up to him and he went hey mr bad wolf oh awesome and i was like oh, he, he knows who i am but straight <laughs> away oh. i didn't have to introduce myself or anything and he's just consistently good i don't understand why the bbc haven't snapped him away from big finish i was going to ask the main that. show i was actually going to ask that with you guys you know a bit more about big finish i, I know that a couple of the one people who've written for it before in the very early new series were so the guy who wrote jubilee for example was brought in to do Dalek, which is you know a similar kind of story. Mm, uh, yeah. Robert Shearman, isn't it? He yeah. did that one. I did wonder that some of these stories are so highly regarded in the whole of the fandom, and I do sometimes wonder why they're not sometimes taken out. Because surely you know Chibnall and Moffat before them listens to Big Finish or has some idea of who's involved. Actually, what they do, Big Finish have to get approval from the BBC first before they can do any of the stuff that they do because they don't want obviously a clash of interest so if they're not going to if they do a storyline like this they could get shut down from big finish to get not be finished so BBC and just say actually we're working on something very similar so they'll go right. right okay you can't do that yeah they always have to get their approval before they can actually do it right okay with these writers being so celebrated 
I'm surprised that not more have been approached to write for the for the new series. It's an audition piece on its own, really. You can go like, well, I've written this two-hour story mm. or this one-hour story, especially in the case of this one. This guy's written 45 minutes, really well-paced, really the dialogue was fantastic. And you would think that someone who is employed as a showrunner would turn to this guy and go, well, you know, you know your history, you know the continuity, you know how the character works, let's just get you in and do it. It's a weird thing because it's always the thing I found with especially season one, so series one with Eccleston, because all the people who wrote for it were fans who wrote a really great fan fiction in the past yeah so they all knew each other like russell davis wrote uh, a new adventure didn't uh, i'm sure he wrote a virgin body snatchers was it he wrote damage damage goods. Goods. Oh, damage that's goods. it he obviously had uh, gareth roberts uh who wrote quite a few matt gatis definitely you know so they all knew each other in that circle so i think it was a case of they did hire on that basis of well we've got to give mark a go because he's a mm. lifelong fan you know and so on and i think they also i think they just found that i think the jubilee angle was a good angle to go i'm sure i saw like back in 2006 they were going to adapt spare parts i'm sure they saved money or something or i don't know what it was but they ended up changing their mind and getting tom mccray to do a loose version of it i can't remember i'm sure there was a case where it was going to be more spare parts like maybe there was a rights issue yeah because mark platt he uh, he is credited on the rise of, of the cybermen uh, uh. for uh, for the sort of the basis that tom mccray wrote everyone said this every year uh, why don't they get the big finish writers in they clearly know how to write it well, I suppose that the the one argument to that would be, I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't do it, but I, I always feel a little bit like <clears throat> gentlemen like us who are, you know, old men now, but, but still pretty bloody cool, <laughs> you know, still go to the disco with these chaps, wouldn't you? Uh, but, you know, people who <laughs> maybe the series is probably not aimed at us anymore. You know, it is trying to capture kind of a younger audience and all that. And yeah. I almost feel like Big Fin, this is this kind of time where Big Finish, was, you know, all three of us kind of had our disagreements with the, the past series or two, uh, and maybe even before that. So I feel like, this is where Big Finish steps in to to a kind of a, a Doctor Who fan's yeah. life and goes, well, we've got something for you that you might enjoy because this is a little bit more you might, adult. Because yeah. one thing I will say is there's not many kind of child-friendly Big Finish stories. I'd say they no. are aimed at a more adult audience. Mm. which is probably why they kind of think we'll keep them there for the for the adult fans or whatever but yeah mm. i suppose that's yeah that seems to be quite true i think it's well i sort of see it as the retirement home for the doctor who cast it keeps them working fraser hines enjoys playing a character he played over 60 years ago nearly 60 years ago you know and this gives him the freedom to run about and do things i think that's what tom baker said in it in, when he joined them yeah. says, this is revolution this is a re-energize me or something like that because you know we can do all these things but in audio i think it gave a lot of people a lot of elderly actors a chance to feel young again in some form even if they don't know what the plot's about i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that is the mad thing isn't it i mean when william russell took the role at what 30 32, 33 yeah. in 1963. And they went, hey, you're playing this this teacher called, uh, you know, uh, Ian Chesterton. He would have gone, cool, yeah. Imagine if someone's having gone, oh, by the way, you still have to play him in your 90s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> away from me. But that's amazing. But you're right. I think it's the, it's the same thing. They do this very clever thing in the production of making these older older gentlemen. Of course, they don't sound exactly like they did back in their younger days, but they do quite a good job of hiding it. And that was one thing I was going to say about this serial, was that I wasn't sure what to expect. Because when you see 
Tom Baker in The Day of the Doctor, he does have that older yeah. voice. Of course he does. He's yeah. in his 80s, bless him. In this, they did a very good job of hiding the fact that he was an older man. I, In my head, I yeah. pictured him as, you know, the younger guy in the, in the sort of the first costume, the brown jacket, the hat, the, the multicoloured scarf. I could really imagine him and Tennant kind of working together, you know, Tennant doing his kind of, you know, chewing the set off, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and running around, <laughs> trying to get in his face, trying to get his attention. And Tom Baker doing that kind of not ever giving him eye contact, kind of gazing into the distance as he debated with him. I could just imagine how it would look. And I yeah. just never for one moment thought, this is kind of older David Tennant with his grey beard and his, you know, his kind of strange sort of parting and his slightly more skinny face. And, it, it, you know, I didn't think of it as Tom Baker's the old band with the white hair. I, I saw them completely yeah. in the younger days and it was amazing. Well, I think when Tom started, he was a very, it was, I think he took a bit of getting into it again. He's now, he's definitely now got the character back. It, when he started, it was, yeah, agree it was like that. Tom Baker reading a script beforehand mm. when he started. He sort of got the confidence and he's really full. Like I was, cause I hadn't heard much of his Tom, but when I went to do the star beast, I just, it was spellbinding because it wasn't, you know, he really was more elevated. He was like, you know, it was like almost if he could have jumped around in that studio, he would have jumped around in that studio. Mm. And I, and I, and that clearly shows in this, in these audios. No, it's, it's very good. Very good. I, I just, like you say, I just, I pictured every, every bit of it. I wished it was on the TV. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, uh, but no, it was so good. So good. Part of me wishes that Big Finish could get the rights to animate these. Oh, I mean, now there's a thought. I remember Gary Russell saying the production company that's doing some of his one that's doing all the an- the animation for Fury of the Deep. You know, it is a Big Finish sort of, I can't think of what the title of the thing is, but it's a Big Finish orientated company. But it's an mm. animation. And someone did ask, would you animate Big Finish audios? And he said, I think some need to be left to the imagination, particularly spare mm. parts. There'll be no, you know, the BBFC would never allow it to come in, to, <laughs> uh, never allow it to be seen, let alone when they tried to do real time, you know, uh, although the animation for real time had some pretty gory images. Sort of thing. I think it's a good point, though. I, I imagine that at one point they might make one or two, especially maybe an Eighth Doctor story. I could see them maybe doing like the a one-off or something. Well, I could see them testing the waters with an Eighth Doctor and Lucy box set maybe just do the uh, like a series one of animating the audios and then put them out especially with all those blu-rays that they're releasing at the moment it'd be great to have a full complete set of eighth doctor audios so maybe they could put out a series test the waters see if there's an audience for that and then they could do more and then release an eighth doctor box set with all of it but you know what <laughs> we're going wildly off topic here but going back to out of time loved and enjoyed every single second of this it's great that this was a standalone story and $8.99 is such a bargain and it's probably a really great jumping on point for new listeners. It's really good to see it at a, at a reasonable price. Younger fans still know David Tennant. They still know who he is. They still know that doctor. There's no doubt that any younger fans getting into the Jodie Whittaker series are going to be getting into kind of Matt Smith and mm. David Tennant especially. So yeah, it's a great jumping on point. I think they've really taken a good advantage of this uh, lockdown and uh, I have to say uh, I find it insulting as someone who's had a home studio for 
fucking years. <laughs> uh, and fellow other actors who have heard of studios at home, but oh no, now they have to record the duvet sets over and about it. Yes, but uh, yeah, forget the guys who have been ready from the fucking start. Yes, oh, let's just get Tom Baker with his duvet up and uh, we'll call it a studio. Yeah, whoop. <laughs> it must be quite nice knowing that there is a big audience out there who will, will I, I want to say waiting, but who want, really want you to step in as the, the second doctor role, like to be a doctor. And there's, and I'm not saying there's a few people on Twitter who go, oh, you'd be very good. It's a big load of people who are like, just announce Chris as the new, as the, as the second doctor. It reminds me of when a football team is about to sign a player and you know it's going to go through. It takes about two weeks for them to officially sign the player. And then for the next sort of two weeks, whenever like the, the football club puts something out, like mm. we've done great charity work with our local hospital, everyone just responds, announce mm. Messi, announce Messi, announce Messi. Everyone just leaves it. And I feel like every now and then with Big Finish ever going near something like the second doctor, they all there's a lot of comments there going, just announce Chris. Just put Chris in. Announce Chris now. Put Chris in as this, which is quite brilliant. It's going to be quite anticlimactic after Eccleston coming back, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> bringing back Eccleston. Uh, Eccleston taking advantage again. Another plus of the of the lockdown is uh, Eccleston's now available. I don't know. I've I've always said that I'd love to do it. They know I'd love to do it. Someone did say to me when they met me, he says, "I'm glad you don't talk like Patrick Trouton all the time." And I said, "Well, that's because I'm an actor. I'm not insane." <laughs> <laughs> weird thing uh, to say yeah i don't know Imagine. did he mean that like i'm glad you don't actually sound like him or did he mean I, I, i'm glad you don't do the impression 24 7 i think it's because there is a habit with some impressionists that they do <laughs> there are some out there that hold on to it goes you know what i've got a you know i'm marketing this now and they they will stick to doing their voice over and over again and just uh like even dress up at it uh, all the time i just think dressing up at it even though i have done it has been too far and i'll hands up admit i've gone i've gone too far i've crossed that line the next the next thing it would be me changing my name by depot which i don't want to do or, no, or, or just... naming my naming my child uh my son patrick which uh which uh, isn't gonna happen either yeah i just find that hilarious that he assumed you did it all the time like i imagine you live this life where like your mum and dad and all the family gather you at the table yes what is it <laughs> chris we need to talk to you about you being patrick trout all the time it's it's driving your mother insane I think it's, <laughs> oh is it oh dear it's weird <laughs> and your dad's like shaking you like come on oh you're making me dizzy <laughs> 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 just yeah, no, I well, I'm completely not insane like that. Although, uh, to be honest, I do now and again just talk to myself if I'm doing something. You know, like when you mutter to yourself. Except when I mutter to myself, I do it as different voices, but not necessarily. <laughs> I, I think there's a sketch in that somewhere. You know, those like those like serious Channel Five documentaries. You know, the, the boy with seven heads or something. <laughs> And then it like you know, then it cuts to his mum just kind of like talking into a camera, all sad, going, "Well, we knew Johnny was different when the, <laughs> when the third head came along, and then when the fourth and fifth, we." And then it cuts to like the, the seven-headed boy walking down the road, and people kind of looking at him. And it'd be great if we had a really serious documentary of your mu- of your dad just being like, "Well, Chris, you know, he was a very normal boy, um, and we had." no issues at all and then before we knew it he comes home one day with this mop top <laughs> and 
and suddenly he's got this Scottish friend and uh, who keeps telling him to look behind him. And before we knew it, he was out of control. It, it, it sort of cuts like Coldplay, like, and there's just you walking down the road. It's Patrick Trout. Oh, doing the run from invasion with the explosions going off behind you. It usually comes from wherever I've been watching recently. And I've been watching a fair bit of Vincent Price lately. So I've been. If I'm watching, so I was doing work and I was just going, and what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely <laughs> fucking bizarre. Uh, and uh, just putting on different voices like that. Uh, I've not actually quite, I don't use Trouton as much. Although I do, every now and again, we did um, when we recorded Sleuth, which I'll plug again because no one listened the first time and no one still listened. Oh, I, I still need to listen to it. I'm going to say that. I still need to listen to it. I could have lied and gone, oh, it was marvelous. No, I, do, I am going to listen to it. Give it, my, give it my all. Thank you. Well, when we did it, uh, there were points where I would. Well, L, uh, Elliot Crossley was playing the other roles. He was playing Milo, and he had moments where he might just subtly, like, a tenantism will hit in. Like, if you had to say, what? You know, or something like that. And he would just go, mm. no. um, And there were times when I just said something, and I just went, oh, no, 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 that, that went trout, and that went trout, and like, you know, <laughs> you know go, there's just something that ended up, oh, for goodness sake. You know, it's kind of similar to when you see a British actor that always plays American and their accent starts to actually go that way. That's yeah. probably what's happening to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. Of course, I met Elliot as well on that on the night, which apparently was this year. Insane. The We are a cult event and uh, it was amazing just to see the four of you just sort of chatting as normal. Similar. Other than Pete, kind of like... Um, I know, but Pete's a bit more Cockney, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he, to me, he, he, I always sort of imagined him as a like the the unknown offspring of Paul Whitehouse. Paul Whitehouse like quality to him. Uh, yeah, and it was amazing just seeing all these new voices come out. It was uh, it, it was mad. It was it was fun like that actually. One of the things I found the most funny, we were talking a little bit about Gary Russell earlier. Mm. Were you there when we were all trying to find somewhere to eat? And we just spent about half an hour walking through the streets of Cardiff, yeah, <laughs> following Gary Russell. And, and, and then Gary, and then Gary says, "I'm just going to call it good night." We've <laughs> <laughs> not known the Doctor Who fandom until you've all wandered around in the group of fifteen trying to get somewhere to, to eat on a Saturday night in Cardiff. And it was yeah, Gary Russell just kind of going, uh, "Yeah, table for 15. and then go, "Yeah, t- uh, table for fuck off." That's not happening. <laughs> it was very bizarre. It's like I've I've known this guy all my life, and now I'm trying to get a table with him and, and 14 others but it was it was quite funny that was a good night and then i remember me and billy went and met matt and his brother in a place we ordered food and drink and we sat down and i was like oh lovely and then billy went oh what time's your train and i checked the <laughs> check my phone and it was in 15 minutes even though i'd ordered food to the table like billy and matt just looked at me like, like it's as if they'd said something that offended me and i had to go but i said guys i'm really sorry i've got to go and they went sorry is it something we said <laughs> i was like no i i got to run oh. i've got like my last train for some reason was something at like half nine so it was the yeah, one time i didn't drive so I was, I was really annoyed purely so i could have a few drinks and i think i had one all day so sorry I'm, i think we're seconds away from martin telling us we need to get back on track 
Well, I was go- I was just going to say back to Big Finish. Uh, the one thing that Big Finish have the strength on is hindsight. Any era, anything that was on the TV, and it was either hit or miss, um, mostly miss. Someone will see the potential in it, and then exploit that and make that potential happen you know imagine the meeting where someone goes and says to it i i think <laughs> i remember uh i won't say the the name of the of the uh director who said this to he's a big finish director but he said uh, well this is i've got i'm writing this idea at the moment it was for a range that has come out and i said oh right that's you know that's interesting and he always said yeah or it could be really shit <laughs> Uh, (laughs) uh, i suppose they can afford to take risks can't they because they've got so so much out there yeah i mean they they can take a bit more risk than the television show oh i mean like some examples like i mentioned earlier the candy man uh they you know was not how they the writers immediately uh intended him and created this Bertie Bassett monstrosity. <laughs> then, of course, they did things, you know, like River Song. I, I, to be fair, I, I, I can't stomach River enough to really give her a second chance in audio. But, but you know, I've heard a lot of praise from that. Torchwood, I think you, you've mentioned Martin before, Torchwood. Yeah, the Torchwood range is the only range I'm completely up to date with. Yeah. I, I really enjoy them. They're mostly standalone stories and they're like seven ninety nine. So, yeah, I'm completely up to date with those. I think you raised a good point there about them taking things that weren't necessarily successful and making them into something more appealing. And one thing that really stuck out to me was years ago when I first listened to Big Finish was how well The Sixth Doctor was done in Jubilee. And I kind of knew that he'd become... I knew that his Big Finish stories were very popular. And some have even argued that mostly his and the Eighth Doctor's stories helped make Big Finish what they were. And I kind of thought, that's strange, considering that the Sixth Doctor is considered by many to be one of the worst on television. You know, his unfortunately, his series on telly wasn't always the best. I mean, I personally quite enjoyed them, but I, I hold my hands up and go, yeah, there were some absolute shockers in there. And sometimes you kind of think, oh, come on, Colin, you, you, that doesn't sit quite right for the for the character and all that. But in, in Jubilee, I was absolutely amazed at how different his you know it was the same doctor had the same presence had that same confidence and slight arrogance to him but there was a little bit more humility to the character that yeah. was, you related to it more and i realized that really one of the biggest triumphs of big finish was really making the sixth doctor what he is i mean it used to be 10 15 years ago sixth doctor would be at the bottom of everyone's list oh the worst is the sixth well you know it's not we don't hate colin but the sixth was bad well, you, but nowadays i yeah. feel like it's lifted him back up they what well, they've always coined the phrase they've done they've collined him you know or collined them <laughs> uh yeah completely agree because it's they gave him the chance to really, you know, perform. And so in a sense, they also gave the Fifth Doctor some episodes where they actually, you know, he was a bit more serious. He wasn't like, I think the best description I've never seen before was, uh, I think it was Paul Cornell put it out the other day. He said, the Fifth Doctor is like a, a dad trying to keep a family holiday together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's that's amazing. And I thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is so frantic. That's the the, the great thing is they managed to uh you know give people give uh, things that didn't work a second chance and get it to work. And mm-hmm. and it really does work. And I think with and they always have that ability with hindsight is what we can do, you know, we can we can do 
not only a tribute to that era, but we could also improve upon it. And uh, I think that's I think that's great. I was going to say as as well, taking that on board is something we we haven't actually mentioned yet about this this story, which is the appearance of the Daleks. Um, and how yes. I think they were really well done in this. And I've, I've, I think mm. I've said before, my, my kind of favourite Dalek stories, uh, I really like um, Revolution. I quite like Revolution for the same reasons that I quite liked Dalek, that kind of idea of a single Dalek trying to survive just to keep the race going. Mm. That that I love that idea of one Dalek feels the whole responsibility of its entire race on its back. I kind of like that. Um, so I like those two stories. And, but as a group, they could sometimes be a little bit annoying. I mean, especially in the, the older series when they just used to march. And half the time they didn't even have someone inside them. They were kind of pushed from the bottom and like their plunger would be <laughs> down. And they were supposed to be an army, but there'd be like six of them. And then, you know, in, <laughs> in the new series, you just have all these CGI ones flying through space to the point where they didn't really mean anything. But I always really liked the power of the Daleks, of how vindictive they are in that, how they manipulate people. I've been watching, I've liked... been watching that lately. The, uh, I mean, it's, the, it's the really version. good. It's uh, like you say. I, I think it's actually my favourite Dalek episode mm. ever because the Daleks are, you know, the audience know they're evil, but it's just watching them plan and manipulate in the background and slowly become the and become this menace and they are absolutely eerie as hell you know yeah, I, they I, there were just shots where the dalek would just be watching them and that's it you'd less like you know evil in there that's about to you know something they're conspiring and it's just oh it's just brilliant mm. and it, yeah and in, in a similar vein in, in, in with this one i liked that you could really hear Mm. These felt like Daleks who would come out of a war. You felt like this, this Dalek Supreme. You could hear the evil in him. And what I liked is they gave him almost a bit of a personality, which is similar to what they did in Dalek and in Power of the Daleks. Some of them have kind of personalities. I love this idea of the Dalek Supreme, one sounding completely different. He had a real, like, terror in his voice, which all credit to, um, was it was it the same guy yeah, who always does Nick Bri- Nicholas Briggs, yeah. Nick Briggs. I, he also um, directed the audio. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic. But, like, yeah. he he really did get you got that kind of extra anger from them you had the the kind of the other daleks who were just following orders in this kind of but still almost trying to impress the supreme and his little kind of his um dialogue with the, with Tom Baker was almost Davros-esque. You know, that kind of, you know, art is irrelevant. It was said with such yeah. kind of anger. And But the great thing was how that Dalek was also a coward, that that Dalek Supreme didn't go forward with the others. Yeah. They said, oh, are you staying behind? And he said, I shall reveal myself when victory <laughs> is announced. Yeah. I was like, that is awesome. Like, I love the idea of the biggest, baddest red and gold Dalek just being like, Nah, I'm not going to war. That's what they do. I'm going to, you know, this idea that they kind of, it's almost quite animal farm in the way that you think the Daleks have got this kind of um, almost like Starling-esque kind of communism that they're all equal, but really some are more equal than others. And the way he bossed the other ones around and, you know, you do that, you do that, and you guys go to war, I'll reveal myself when the victory's announced. I just thought it was great that it gave them a real personality that that really reminded me of, of Power of the Daleks. Dalek on TV really did was it actually it was the first pr- proper time you actually saw a character in the metal and you know it was mm. whereas that's the thing about power which is in, which is great is that it's more subtle it's more you know that slow easing of this uh, you know this manipulating 
conspiracy and this ultimate sort of you know their takeover is so gradual they like look at like schemas whereas in mm. in dalek and i think actually probably the route back to back to as martin would be pleased to hear big finish uh <laughs> the uh with big finish they actually have done you know they don't have the visual they only have the voice so rather than just give you a monotonic creature of hate they've actually just you know they've given them a character and actually created these actually it's, it's like it's almost like the David Banks equivalent of 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 yeah. you know where David Banks was his his cyber leader was the main guy and then he had his subordinate which sounded naff but to do that with the Daleks and give them a voice like I think they have various different ones whether it's the Supreme Dalek Dalek Time Controller or Time Strategist or whatever it is that's in the any other Time War things it's yeah no they've really done. I think Nick Briggs does a very good job in making them such a powerful character in their own yeah, right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was, I was and considering as well that they only had the space, the the time of a new series episode, forty five minutes. We've seen them really mess up the Daleks in the new series, and here they are, audio only, like you mentioned, Chris. Really, the Daleks weren't in it for a long time maybe, what, 20, 25 minutes maximum they were in the story. You really, really got an idea of what they were about, what each one was about, the, the Supreme One, and how their war fitted into the story. It didn't feel... I, when I first heard the Daleks turn up, I thought, oh, God, they've shoehorned these ones in. And I thought, this is not going to work now. But it did. It was really, really well written. It's the, Very it's well the huge done. difference between a fan production where they just put Daleks in there and they think that's good mm. enough. And it's the same with these with Doctor Who episodes of the telly. Okay, there are Daleks in it. They serve... There's no point that you're watching these scenes and going... Because uh, the the thing I always love watching in any drama in anything is the antagonist. Every mm. scene with the antagonist should be the highlight. In this scene, it, it was like you just wanted them to come back. Although you got Tom Baker and David Tennant, you wanted to hear that Dalek Supreme go on. Or, you know, you wanted more mm. of that confrontation with the between the the antagonist and the protagonist. Whereas if they're just CGI or just the complete, you know, just they're just there as props. It really just doesn't do much. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, yeah, it's really good. What did you guys make of the Doctor using the alias John Tyler? That was a cool nod. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a nice like reference, that. yeah. Let me just ask, would you guys recommend Out of Time? No. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's. I think it's a brilliant. It's good value. And uh, I say, is for what you're getting out of it is, you know, it's it's brilliant. It's well worth the money. It's well worth just hearing it. Hear, hearing all of their performances. It's. I just can't rate rate it enough. I think it's probably one of their best releases they've done. Uh, same. I I would agree with that completely. I think it's a, a a great story, and I would also recommend it. And I'm going to recommend it to anyone who is a new series fan doesn't watch the classics has never heard a big finish i would advise them listening to it because i think this is going to be an excellent opportunity to bring in new fans hmm. um i think a lot of people who are new series but don't necessarily like the classic series or watch the classic series know how iconic tom baker is yeah. they know how iconic that doctor is and this is a great introduction to new series fans to the fourth doctor I think this is a really nice way of bringing him in. And I think if there was some sort of magical world where this could have been put on television, I think it would have been huge and it would have been very, very successful. So, yeah, thoroughly recommend it. 
I really enjoyed it. And it's, I tell you what, for the first time in the best part of the year, I will come off this podcast tonight and I will probably go and grab a box set or load up Britbox and, and watch some fourth Doctor Doctor Who. Because I, I now want nice. to kind of enjoy Doctor Who content, and I haven't had that urge to do so in a long time. In a way, it's both classic because yeah. you throw back to it because it makes me not just want to watch the fourth one; it makes me want to watch tenth and go, like, "Oh, yeah. do you remember the tenth Doctor? Oh, that was so so long ago. It's over ten years ago now. <laughs> God, yeah, it was uh, what eleven years." Was it 11 years since sort of the... Well, it'd be 15 years this Christmas that we got the Christmas invasion. Good God. Don't do that to us, Martin. (laughs) All right, and on that note, good night.